what could you possibly talk about on the cheese podcast? I mean, I get the obvious cheese, but like, what texture. do you, what do you, ew, texture. Oh, this is no politics at the dinner table. I'm Tony Biancasino. And I'm Amit Prakash. Tonight we're having a liquid dinner beer. And uh, we have a pretty amazing guest that clearly has never heard of us because she never would have agreed if she did. I'm so excited about this. I can't even stand it. Let's go. Um, I wanted to just mention one thing. Yeah. I won the bet. The The bet. Super Bowl? No, 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 no. (laughs) I won the bet. That we made, I went vegetarian oh. for a whole month, man. Wow. Whole month. Well, how do we really prove you didn't sneak some beef jerky uh, at lunch? <laughs> <laughs> we didn't really set up the rules well, properly. Okay. This is based on trust. Okay. And I don't trust anyone. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> all right. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Yeah. I'm going to trust you. Yes. And what was our bet? I totally don't the remember. The bet is that you got to take me out to dinner. Great. Yeah. Uh, we'll go vegan. <laughs> no, <Nice laughs> cheap. <laughs> Nice no, no. cheap vegan. Listen, we'll go listen. vegetarian. No, 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 You're no. gonna be a cheap I've, thing. I've I've already had some meat because it's been a month. You yeah. What did you eat uh, yesterday? What did I have? I had oh, McCall made chili. The second the thing's over, you eat meat. What yes. A, what a loser. I ate it at twelve oh one at midnight. No, I'm just kidding. I, I had it the you know for dinner last night. You're a mess. What are you talking like, about? You know what? I went a month. This is the problem with with New Year's resolutions. They're so they're such. They're, it's fraud. You should uh, you should take me out for mm. dinner because you're so weak. <laughs> I was assuming you would. That well, was I actually that, never that was, that was well, some uh, weak jujitsu you just tried there to turn this around. That I have how to take dare you? you it ain't happening. The day after, <laughs> eat meat. That's insane to me. Listen, but here's the thing. Jeep's crying. Okay, wait, 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 wait. He thought he had a new member of his <laughs> listen fucking uh, veggie club. I'm I'm a faint-hearted vegetarian now. So so I hope Corey listens <laughs> to this and he loses any ounce of respect. Yeah, Corey, look at this. One month and this guy. He's only by marriage. What the hell? I know, so, but he's anyway, stuck to it. Um. So no, what I want to say though is that like today, yeah, I could have had meat at lunch, yeah, but I didn't. Would you for breakfast? Uh, I had a banana. What are you eating for dinner? I don't know. I bet you eat meat tonight. That's the thing Maybe. about meat. I don't it's know. So what do we, where do you want to go? I'm just saying. Where do you want to go? I'm just, what I'm saying. Is, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I think I was uh, somewhere, somewhere, maybe, maybe, I don't know, Frankie's or something like that. No, fuck Frankie's. Let's go somewhere <laughs> good. I'm over this. Let's, let's leave the neighborhood. Okay. Okay. Let's All right. Like a steakhouse. I'm going to celebrate like men. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to let you take me somewhere. How okay. about that? How you want to go meat heavy since we're celebrating yes. that you're not a pussy anymore? Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Okay, great. Yes. We'll get yes. like mugs of beer. Yeah. yeah. We'll get tossed out of the place at That's midnight. Right. That's right. Like like puking because yes. we ate bacon for appetizer. <laughs> I'm in. Sounds actually sounds great. Sounds I, awesome. I'm glad that you're back. I missed you. Yeah. Man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. So we're gonna wow. be calling uh Francis Fox Piven. So for those of you who don't know, she is a professor of political science and sociology at the CUNY Graduate Center here in New York. She's written, I don't know how many, maybe like a dozen, 15 books, over 200 articles on poverty, social welfare, and political activism. Um, She's been on the board of the ACLU, um, the Democratic Socialists of America. Uh, She has been working and fighting the good fight for about 40 years. Um, And her last monograph was this book called uh, Challenging Authority, How Ordinary People Change America, um, which I think 
is is really relevant right now. I think so. uh, it's it was published in two thousand four, I believe. But actually, <laughs> the title that I want to I always want to mention her, is the latest anthology, and I just love the title. It came out in two thousand eleven. Who's afraid of Fa- Francis yes. Fox Piven? The essential writings of Professor Glenn Beck uh, of the Professor Glenn Beck loves to hate. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, that's I saw that when I when I googled one. her today. I saw that one. I was like, that sounds like a cool yeah. book. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we're gonna call her. I we? mean, if Glenn Beck hates you, you're doing something right. That's that's a badge of honor. Let's, let's congratulate her. Yeah. Let's 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 call her up. Let's call her. She re- she related to Jeremy. Hello. Hi, Francis. Uh-huh. Is Hi. This Amit? Hi, this is Amit. Good. How are you doing? I'm fine, and I'm glad to talk to you. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on with us. You're on the line with my brother-in-law Tony as well. Hi, Francis. Hi, Tony. Francis, I am uh, much more charming than Amit, so if your <laughs> correspondents have been boring, they're going to get better now. Okay, that's very good. <laughs> yeah, yes. Let's have some fun. Okay, so um, I wanted to have you on this week, and again, we're so honored to have you on. Um, last week, you, The Nation put out an essay which you published called Throwing Sand in the Gears of Everything, and it made me think, I was actually thinking about our listeners And a lot of them since the election of Trump have become, I don't mean to say overnight activists, but have been engaged in a lot of activism out in the streets, certainly every weekend, if not um, often during the week as well. Now, you've been studying, you know, these popular movements and particularly of poor people and the marginalized for your whole career. And you have some conclusions about, you know, what works and what doesn't. I, I mean, we've been to some protests and... One thing I know that I've seen is this sign, this ubiquitous sign at every protest, which is, you know, this one word injunction, resist. Uh, What do you think that exactly means for people who want to resist Trump uh, and his policies right now? What is it? What is that? Is going to a protest tantamount to resisting? Well, you know, ordinarily, uh, well, first let me say that protests movements have been extraordinarily important in American history. We wouldn't have any of the humanitarian arrangements that we now have, including basic democratic arrangements, including basic social programs, including anti-discrimination. We wouldn't have any of that if it had not been for the periodic upsurges that we call social movements. So they they are what makes uh, this country as good as it is, and it's as bad as it is because social movements also confront opposition. Uh, So it's important to highlight the accomplishments of social movements, especially since, and this comes back to your comment, when people are on the move, when they are in the streets, when they become disobedient, when they become noisy, uh, there are always the sort of scolders, the teachers who claim that we agree with your goals, but there are better ways to do this. And what are the better ways? Write to your congressman, testify before the city council, uh, organize for the next election. 
we, we should do all those things, right, to where uh, city council testify, organize for the next election. But all uh, those, uh, in a sense, normal political activities uh, acquire a kind of electricity, a kind of force, when people are also in motion and when they become defiant. Now, I have to explain defiance because that sounds like not nice to be defiant, to be disobedient, to refuse to obey the rules. But that's really the essential uh, power behind social movements. It's when people, in a sense, go on strike, when they say, no, I won't go to work every day and keep the machines running. I won't go to school every day and keep the classrooms humming. Uh, I won't take care of the children. I won't obey the traffic rules. I won't do that because there are profound issues of injustice that have to be attended to, and I'm trying to direct attention to those issues and force those people who are in positions of decision-making authority to attend the issues of justice, force them how? Because when we disobey, when we throw sand in the gears, things stop working. So, do you, so sorry, do you think that when what I mean, in the, concretely, what would that look like, say, in New York City, right? I, I know um, in in the article that you wrote, which, by the way, everybody should read, you'd mentioned that one thing is that this should the resistance should be mounted on the municipal level, and to a certain extent that is happening. I, I know I, I have kids in New York City public schools, and they sent home a letter saying, Carmen Farina, the, the school chancellor, sent home a letter last week saying that New York City schools will not cooperate with uh, immigration authorities, ICE and so on, unless there is uh, a legal warrant demanding uh, immigration information, which they will also refuse to keep on file, right? <laughs> so so they're, they're sort of uh, doubling down on pushing back. So that's something I see as, you know, that's that sort of institutional thing. But if you're an average person, particularly like, you know, the people you've you've written about, poor people, um, working class people, it's hard to, um, you know, not go to work because then you don't get paid and then you can't eat. Right. So, so then the, the, it, for, for people who are sort of struggling to say, yeah, I want to resist. What, what might that mean? Well, we don't have to obey traffic rules, for example. Think of, uh, the, the cost the discomforting, the disorder that would that would result if people on a very large scale refused to obey uh, traffic rules, not only in their cars, but on their feet as pedestrians. Uh, you know, in uh, the so-called pink tide in Latin America over the last 20 years, a very important form of protest consisted Precisely in people blocking highways, highways and uh, going into the big cities. Uh, now, if, if people do that, uh, things can't work. Uh, and if they can't work, a lot of very powerful interests are going to suffer. Uh, and a lot of other people will also suffer. That's true. But 
you know, strikes are not easy. Uh, historically, the strike has been the main instrument through which people at the bottom have sometimes made their voices heard, their interests felt. Uh, but they've all also been occasions when people have hurt. It, it costs people to go on strike. In that, you're correct. It's true. It takes a great deal for people to mobilize to become defiant because they, it costs them. Uh, people have to pay uh, certain kinds of prices, which vary depending on where you are. Uh, but that's where we are. In a sense, so we don't have we don't have many choices. So I have a question for you. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and 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 assume you were not a Trump supporter. Um, and two things: one is when you see this resistance going on and people are protesting, you know, like there's protests going on weekly uh, all over the country, all over the world. Uh, when he went into office, um, first question is: Does that make you? excited does it like is that is that kind of your life's work and you and you you're, you're cheering these people on and my follow-up question would be uh i i'm going to assume the trump campaign is going to come down hard on these protests and they're going to do everything they can to make your life miserable if you protest uh i i have not historically been a huge protester there hasn't been a whole lot for me to protest uh in my younger days but uh, how how do people not get fatigued? You know, this is going to be this isn't going to be nothing's going to happen overnight. So historically speaking, from your work, how does how do you sustain this resistance? Well, you know, the great movements in American history have not been uh, quick bursts of people in the street yelling, making trouble. They have unfolded over very long periods of time. Uh, think about the labor movement. The labor movement had its uh, peaks and its uh, uh, decline, but it unfolded from the late 19th century through at least the 1950s. Uh, and Or think about the civil rights movement. Uh, the civil rights movement, even if we treat only the period that is usually designated the civil rights movement, the period from uh, the Montgomery bus boycott in the 1956-57 uh, to the, let's say, 1980. That's a long period of time. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, the, the women's movement. Again, these movements are, uh, are not short-lived. Now, how do people sustain themselves through those movements? Uh, but they can't sustain themselves forever. I think there is an exhaustion factor in movements. There's no question about that. But uh, it's also the case that uh, within the movement, there, uh, there are uh, forces that energize people. You know, we, you, you talked about the uh, protests of the, you know, since the election, really, of Donald Trump, and uh, those protests have been, uh, in part, actions through which people build their energy and their morale. I don't know uh, how much you have actually participated 
in some of the street actions that occurred after the election uh, and since then, and of course, in a way culminating with the Women's March. But what struck me so much, especially in the early protests, was that people were rallying for themselves to show each other and to show themselves that they had determination, that they had commitment, and that they had strength, they had power. This, it, it, it was not really, these were not strikes yet. These were more a hmm. kind of collective uh, ceremony through which people energize themselves and build their courage. Right. Okay, so, yeah, so sort of kind of symbolic acts that might well be sort of parlayed into something more powerful and 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 yeah. uh, effective down the road after much after maybe a, a decades long slog. Um, one thing I also wanted to ask you was in terms of throwing sand in the gears. There's there's it's the streets, and then there is the left, such as it is in our government, which means essentially the Democratic Party. Um, They've been, you know, basically neutralized, um, but they still have some power over these cabinet appointments and things like that. And I wanted us to sort of mention the fact that Senators Elizabeth Warren and Sherrod Brown, uh, the left uh, of the Democratic Party, voted to pass along Ben Carson as the HUD secretary. Um, I was just wondering what your thoughts are on that. What should what? strategy should there be when in what position should the Democrats take vis-a-vis uh, -vis this administration? Well, I think they should take their lesson from Mitch McConnell and the Republican Party. They should block yeah. everything. And they can do that. Uh, they have enough seats in the Senate now to do to, to cause quite a bit of uh, paralysis. That's what they should do, because stopping them is an accomplishment. Uh, they're not going to do anything good. We know that already. We just watched what they have already done. Uh, so uh, there's also, and uh, you mentioned uh, the emphasis I put in the piece on uh, big city governments. Well, partly it is that uh, we we have a federal system in the United States that requires uh, the cooperation of different levels of government for many things to happen. Uh, they can't be done just from the top down, uh, partly for informational purposes, but also because uh, that's the way things work. And uh, the fact that city governments are, st are still democratic and, and less democratic uh, means that there is at least some potential for institutional support for resistance. That's very important, and we don't have a lot of it, uh, because the Republicans have, over the last uh, 20 years, they've taken over not only all the decision-making points in the federal government, but they've taken over the uh, decision-making points of most of the states. Uh, so... Uh, we have to use what institutional uh, levers we can find. And we have some in the big cities. Okay. 
Well, Francis, thank you so much. I know you have to run and you squeeze us in and we really appreciate it. And nice to talk to you. But yeah. we gotta we gotta get you back on when you get more time and do it in person. Okay, that'd be good. Okay, Francis, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. She was awesome. Well, yeah, she's amazing. I mean, I just like that. It's like, here's a lady who his whole entire, her whole entire career is about resistance mm -hmm. and for a very good cause. I for mean, a very for, good cause. Yeah. I mean, she's amazing. Yeah. I, I really wish we could have spent more time with her, but it's like, how dumb are these politicians? Like she's telling you, I'm telling you, right. you're telling them resist. Right. No, no, no. We're not yeah. working with yeah. you. No cooperation. No, no. We're not working with you. Right. Just like for the last eight years. Mm hmm. You guys totally fucked Obama. We're doing that to you. And they said that out loud, that they were going to do that. 100%. It wasn't like a secret plan. No. You know? So why are, why? I mean, Elizabeth Warren is so disappointing with that bullshit. Yeah, yeah. It's like, this guy thinks if you're gay, it's like you have sex with animals. Right. Or you can right. be rehabilitated. Right, right. I'm sorry. You can't be progressive and to the left and and even yeah. ever even consider. Yeah, it's just not legitimate. So I, I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's all bullshit. Yeah. It's, if only people like Francis Fox Piven were actual political advisors that people listen to. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. I, mean, I think uh, right. you'd be in a different place right now. Right. Yeah, very much so. Next time she's coming here. I hope so. You think she'll listen? Probably not. I, I, <laughs> if you're we'll listening, see. we would love we'll to see. have I mean, her. she's, you know, she's, uh, she's a busy woman. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I was very just excited to talk to her. So what, what you want to talk a little bit more about I, this resistance? And so I want to talk about, well, kind of, I want to ask the question. <laughs> There's so much to resist. You know, that that one thing that the Trump administration's doing and, you know, albeit they seem to be flailing at times, yeah. but they are all sort of, um, they've come out guns blazing, right? That, that they're, they're pushing every single thing yeah. from, you know, their FCC appointment to uh, Muslim ban to uh, looking into building the wall to, to insulting uh, historic allies, whatever it is, right? So they're doing they're doing everything. So I wanted to ask the question, you know, if, if the question of resistance. What exactly do you focus on? And for me, that's often the case. I think it's just sort of uh, a sort of human tendency right. uh, is that we we at least our minds wrap around the things that we sort of fear the most that's coming from governments. Right. Um, so I was wondering what out of all of the things, the litany of things that they've done, uh -huh. what is it that you found most objectionable? Or fearful, or you're scared of, well, or really troubling, whatever that may be. I mean, that's tough, dude. It's I mean, tough, all right? the social issues. The the ban is disgusting. I mean, I have Muslims in my fucking family. It's gross. Uh, for me, the, getting to all the social issues that are disturbing to me. For me, the the most disturbing thing, which kind of lets all this happen, are these executive orders, man. The abuse of power. The the like there's no debate it's just he's he's doing what he wants to do and he's literally said if you don't like it we'll go nuclear we will like there's no there's no there's no discussion there's no respect for the opposition so and that's frightening to me so he's that the fact that he's kind of just ruling by fiat right? he's just he's ruling just, yeah, yeah that's i mean that's it that's what that is what scares me the most and i mean we're splitting hairs here everything is 
everything's pretty scary to me. Uh, but just the nature of that exercise. The nature of, of like, okay. this is the, in my lifetime, this is the first president. I mean, even Bush, who was a fucking warmonger, fucking psycho. Like, you, you got to sense that he had, you know, he debated things. I mean, he was a moron, but Trump aggressively is just, just has a mission. Well, I and think that's scary to me. One thing. Although, I mean, I would have liked if Obama did that. It's an interesting comparison that you brought up with Bush because one of Bush Bush's lawyers, John Yu, just wrote in the New York Times this morning an op-ed and I couldn't believe what I was, my, my eyes were like bleeding when I was reading it <laughs> because this is the guy who wrote the torture memos, right? right? So this is this is the lawyer who basically redefined torture in in the OLC where, right. where, 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 where Zach worked, right? Um, that he redefined torture so the president could do torture without calling it torture, right? And he he's writing today in the New York Times that that this is executive power run amok, right? That so here's the torture here, guy, right? Exactly. <laughs> it was just like I was just like my head was like thinking turned around all the way once. Uh, that so one thing that came up right there for me was that it's not so much <laughs> that the Bush administration didn't abuse executive power. They just knew how to do it in a legal way. <laughs> right? they, 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 they knew the right. sort of the technical lawyerly way in order to pass stuff. So it wouldn't get, you know, uh, halted by the courts and things like that, yeah. right? This is the difference with the Trump administration that they're doing, you know, all of these presidents, they have these executive orders that Bush, what he bequeathed to Barack Obama, Barack Obama made even bigger, and then he's given it to Trump. The difference is the loaded gun that Trump has, he doesn't quite know how to use it in yeah. a legal way, right? The other two knew how to, they, they were smart enough to know, <laughs> let the war, lawyers well, work out. Well, enough. they knew how, they, they knew set, they knew how to, sort of get lawyers to work out the nasty details right. to make everything, you know, we were talking about this with Chase about make everything not necessarily moral, but legal, legal. right? And it's like, it's okay. Um, so that's the big difference for the Trump, Trump administration. Trump reminds me they're of... Just, uh, they're just doing everything and they, they just think it sticks because they think the president is a monarch or something. He He's reminds the, yeah. me of the uh, the Lannister dad. <laughs> Remember the one oh, yes, that, uh, yes. that Tywin, is yeah. that Tywin? Tywin. Yeah. yeah. It reminds me of Tywin where it's just like money solves everything. And then he just does whatever the fuck he but wants. Tywin was shrewd. <laughs> I think Trump's shrewd. Yeah. I think he's very shrewd. I mean, I, look how he's, I mean, he, he won the presidency. Well, of the United he States. didn't do that, but, but, uh, okay. Okay. They're just, they're thugs. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, um, did you see the Bill O'Reilly interview where he said, uh, you know, O'Reilly goes, you know, Blairman, Putin's like this guy's like a murderer. Like this guy's right. like a like I don't know what he said. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a killer. He's, He's a, a killer. killer. Yeah. And Trump goes, "What do you think? We're so innocent, right?" <sighs> he said, "There's lots of killers." Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. That's which, crazy town. Well, which, by the way, yeah, you're right, but you don't say that. I mean, this is it's, it's interesting, right? This is this is because this is that's what a a leftist would say. <laughs> a leftist would yeah, that's say. what I would you say. Know, exactly. I mean, we say but, that but all I the time. I wouldn't right? say it in defense right. of my friendship yeah, with the guy. Yeah, but it's but it's it's but it's it's interesting that the right or whatever we want to call it these days. I don't even know. It's a, the right is the right term for it, but but they give him a pass on that sort of stuff. Oh, that, here I got. Can a you imagine if Barack Obama was like, "Yeah, Putin's a killer. We're killers. Hey, we're all killers." Right? Yeah. I mean, that'd be, they'd be calling for his head. Here, it's just that, oh, he's, he's very real, you know? I got a question for you. And this is from one of our listeners. And he texts me this. Okay. So I'm going to ask you. Okay, good. He wanted to know how, in your opinion, I have opinions, but I, well, let's hear it from you. The Republicans that are in power, right? Mm -hmm. And there's powerful Republicans, Mitch, Paul Ryan, all these idiots. 
how are they sitting and just letting all this shit happen? Like, where do they have no backbones? Like, what is the play here? Because you gotta assume. You have to assume. I'd like to assume that they they don't they're not all behind this agenda. I mean, they're not all behind Putin and bans and and everything that's going on. So why have they not? Why hasn't anyone emerged? I mean, except for Lindsey fucking weirdo Graham. And like been like, fuck this shit, dude. Like this is crazy town. Cause like it is a threat to all of us, both sides. Well, I think what's your opinion? I think um there's two ways to look at it. In terms of long-term durability of the Republican Party, maybe they're playing with fire, but these guys are short-termers in their perspective, right? They're not thinking about the environment. They're just thinking about the next quarterly report. That's what they go on. So they always have a sort of myopia that's driving them. They right? can change. Well, well, no, it's it's always just that, yeah, it's just about, you know, the, the near-term future and that's all we care about, you know, and it's near-term future and how, how does that match up with profits and things like that. Um, so that's that's one thing. So I don't think I think that's a sort of endemic problem to the Republican Party, right? It's their it's their sort of lack of vision or lack of seeing far. Um, but the other thing is that, like it or not, even though I've I think I've said this a couple times, I don't think actually it's the content of Trump's policies that they find so objectionable. It's the vulgarity with which he expresses himself right. and how those policies might be sort of put put in place. Right. They're more subtle, right? They're, they're, that doesn't mean those policies are going to do less violence, right? right? That, that I think those, those, there's a lot of ideological sympathies. I'm not saying 100% lockstep, but basically privatization of schools, right? That's been uh, a sacred cow for the Republican Party for years, right? That, hence, Betsy Davos. It makes perfect sense. Right. Um, the bringing, getting rid of minimum wage per se, you know, getting rid of it. They don't even want, forget about, you know, raising it only a little bit. They want to get rid of a minimum wage. Hence, they get in the guy who heads Hardee's, right. right? You know, right. who's who's against paying people, you know, an honest wage. Uh, so all of, you know, these appointments actually, for me, make all the sense in the world. Right. It's just that the vessel, the president, doesn't happen to be one of their kind, right? right? And he doesn't speak nicely. He's like a great warrior that it's like, well, fuck, he's a, yeah, he's a wild animal, but he wins us wars. You know what he is? Yeah, he, you know what he is? It, in, even in politics, he would be like the hatchet man, right? right? He's the guy you go deploy to destroy somebody right, politically, right? right? We'll you know, he's a fixer <laughs> or something like that. But he's not the face. He's not the actual politician, right? That's what they find, I think, so problematic. But so, he is kind of the face. I mean, I, he's No, no, of, he's completely, now yeah. he is. Right? So now they have to yeah. deal with that, but I think it's all about sort of optics and symbolism and this may make us look bad and make up my... And do you think they're so afraid of him like he's like a mob boss where you cross him and he attacks you, you're toast. Like, let's just assume for one second, Paul Ryan comes out tomorrow. Never gonna happen because he's a spineless little pussy. He comes out tomorrow and he's like, you know what? I can't sit with this anymore. What you're doing is fucked up. I'm stepping down. I'm not doing this. Trump would... He's afraid, and Trump would destroy him. He's afraid that well, the base would leave him. I think the only... They've got to be afraid. No, but the thing is, I think the only way that... Remember, I mean, he he won with, you know, like 19% of the American electorate, right? So so the only way Republicans... But he would, won the Republican primary. Right, right. But, but again, which is just, you know, the small swath of even the Republicans, right? The people who bother to go out for the primaries right. and stuff like that, right? So it's very self-selective, right? So... It's true. He's you can't take that away. He won that, and you know, huge field, and got the presidency, all that. So political force to be reckoned with. But 
on the other hand, if Paul Ryan, you know, and he has his finger on the pulse of this, he, if he could muster and felt that there was revolt in the house against these policies, right. then I think then he would somehow grow some vertebrae, right? Yeah. But I don't think, I actually don't think he's that much against the policies. Right. If you, you know, if you look at Paul Ryan's budgets for the past few years, no, I know, I know, I they are yeah. cruel. He's crazy. You know, I mean, so it's just that let's be cruel, but let's do it with a smile on our face. Right. That's, 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 that's their approach. <laughs> and so that, I think that's, that's what they find sort of, you know, the whole like bully Bush stuff, you know, that's when Paul Ryan said, Oh, I'm, he's not going to come to my, to my uh, rally. Right. right? I'm going to disinvite him. Right. <laughs> it wasn't because his policies were so terrible <laughs> right No, It was because he said a couple nasty words. Yeah. Right. So it wasn't about the fact that he's wants to build walls and, and register Muslims. Right. That wasn't objectionable. Right. But it was because he said pussy. Right. Right. You know, that was really objectionable. Right. So I think the Republicans are kind of full of it. Yeah. Um, they they actually want, this policy they just don't want this guy got it <laughs> yeah well to all our protesting friends what do you have to say to them before in closing keep going keep keep at it right right um i've been a couple uh there i, I think i think francis is right that they do build morale and i think that's what people need right now yeah um, it's a community yeah it's you're community. not alone you exactly you just sort of like wow there's a lot of us right there's a lot of us that feel this it's not that we're in sort of silence and so on there's yeah. a lot of us um and I don't know if you've been reading these reports, but like, there's a lot of leaking going on in in in, in, oh my the, in God, the White House. Insane. You know, it's a little more than usual. I mean, they always leak, but but a little more. No, than this usual. is crazy leaking. Yeah, and and did you just read that report in the Times that they don't even know how to turn the lights on? They sit there in the dark in cabinet meetings. <laughs> they like they literally Why? because they don't know how to turn the lights on. What is that? A switch? There's some random switch that nobody knows to turn on, so they literally have these meetings in the dark. Wouldn't it be amazing if Chuck? If which he must got to, wait. Which which must mean the White House staff is pretending like they don't know. <laughs> you probably or he got rid of everybody that know. was there. Yeah. You know what? He should get the clapper. Yes. Remember yes. the clapper? Right. He should just be able to go. I like it. Yeah. There you go. So there you go. Pe people keep protesting keep and it. whatever. Keep doing it. It'll turn into. It'll eventually turn into something more. Um, tonight, like. There's this guy, uh, I I'm not sure if it's a congressman or an assemblyman or a councilman, but this guy, Brad Lander, yeah. um, who's started this thing at the synagogue in Brooklyn called Beth Elohim, where they do a lot of political organizing. Uh, and it's called Organize Brooklyn. Right. And I think they're doing it on a weekly basis, three hours tonight. And it's basically groups getting together, figuring out how there's all this sort of uh, thirst to resist and they're organizing and they're directing it. So that's, you know, it's happening, I think. So. Wow. Keep on keeping on. That's really happening. Yeah. Uh, I think a good policy would be if you're at a protest and Cory Booker or Chuck Schumer show up, everyone should leave. Yes. Or scream at them. Yeah. If I see one more fucking protest at an airport or wherever and one of those two guys there and all you guys are cheering them on, I'm out. Right. Well, okay. Listen. Let's start. Let's start holding our own uh, representatives accountable for their bullshit before you start protesting right. the opposition. Right. Right. Period. Right. But unless they start changing their policies. No. Too, no. 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 You no, know? no. They're not changing. Chuck been around for a long time. Hey, Booker, get out of here. He, Chuck Schumer, as much as I can't stand him, um, he did back Keith Ellison, which is Bernie's guy for the DNC. Uh, he he uh, could have backed Tom Perez, who who is the establishment candidate, who who Cory Booker and all the other people did. You know, so here's my here's my test: shifting sands, maybe. Did he vote 
for the Iraq and Afghanistan <laughs> war. There you go. He's out. You're out. <laughs> Peace. I, you know what? I think that's a good test. It's a great test. Yes. You're out. Your yeah. judgment's bad. Yeah. Yeah. No. no politics at the dinner table. It's produced by G. Baderoy. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We are active and we are growing, and we will leave you in the dust if you're not here from the ground up. I hope one day we get a protest outside our pod- <laughs> podcast. Come protest us. We will know we've arrived. Yeah. yeah we- <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Next week.